0: I think they said something actually on the weekend about me. They said, "Mum, you're very. It's very funny that you're a yogi because
1: you're so calm,
0: but you're so wild.
1: i <laughs> um, but wild. <laughs> I um, love but wild. It. I love
0: it. And isn't that isn't that the feminine though? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we need, and this is what I try to teach them. Like that's feminine. We're chaotic women. <laughs> you know, around the cycle, we can go into. I just want to stay home in bed and just chill and just you know read a book and eat chocolate. Um, and to I just want to build an empire and take on the world. <laughs> and I think that's and that's the feminine. And and we need to recognise that we're all of that in one month.
1: Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by Twenty Eight Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to this week's self-love podcast. I am so excited to share with you this week an incredible soul, someone who I absolutely love and have come to really treasure as not only an incredible inspiration to me, but also a beautiful and dear friend. And I think many of you are starting to appreciate just how many amazing people I have in my life and how proud and honored I am to share them with you. And the beautiful Lauren Verona is no different. She is a passionate businesswoman, a yoga teacher, and a business mentor who has created and grown four thriving yoga communities across Australia. She's also the creator of The Love Tank, an online community that helps women to embrace self-love, seize opportunities, and create the life they truly desire. You can see why I'm super pumped to have her on this week's self-love podcast, because this girl talks my language. Her energy and enthusiasm for life is contagious, and she has a unique talent for helping others knock down the barriers that hold them back. Over the last 10 years, Lauren has guided thousands of women to connect with their true sense of purpose so that they can become the best version of themselves. And I have to say to you through her practice of yoga, her teachings, and just the way she shows up, I can promise you that you do find a beautiful way of self-connection because her insights and compassion for people of all abilities, and she has a wicked um, light sense of humor, which <laughs> we work, we behave very well in this podcast. Together we can be quite naughty, but you may not get an essence of that till the very end, but she just has this beautiful, delicious sense of humor with a unique blend of instruction and guidance that is not only amazing and inspirational, it's very refreshing and down-to-earth. I know that you'll find that if you've never done yoga before, you will appreciate the teachings and the ancient um, scriptures that have come out of the practice of yoga, which we blend beautifully in this interview together today. And you may not understand it, but beautiful Lauren discovered yoga while she was running a full-time PR company in Melbourne. And like some of you listening to this will know that it was after a series of burnout and self-destruction and maybe using things like alcohol and drugs to help numb the pain of what she was going through is actually what made her take uh, stock and really be guided by the art and practice of yoga. And that is when she decided she wanted to share it, not only share it with her close friends and family, but with the world. And as a mother of two, she truly understands that life's challenges of finding time for ourselves and trying to find that ultimate word balance, which is a funny word in itself. But you know, whatever that means to you, and I dare say it's a place of pure bliss and joy and happiness and doing the things that you love the most, I know you're going to love this week's podcast. Make sure you've got your pen and paper. There's some real gems that she shares in here. I have got the notes um, all there. I've uh, written them up in the show notes for you and how to find her. But she's also offering you a beautiful, amazing gift at the end. So I sincerely hope you enjoyed this week's self love podcast. Make sure you give it a five star rating on iTunes. It helps people who are on a pathway of trying to find the essence of self love for themselves. It might just be that one link or share that you will never know makes a difference in someone else's life. And I just want to say thank you to those of you who have been coming up to me or sharing with me or sending me texts, messages, and uh, emails saying how much this beautiful podcast is making a difference in your world. So let me know on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28 on my Kim Morrison Facebook page. And uh, I just want to shout out to the beautiful 28 Essentials, the company that sponsors this show, and of course, to the Wellness Couch for hosting it. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in each week. I really do watch and look and listen to all of your feedback. It means the world to me. Take care, and I cannot wait for you to hear the amazing Lauren Verona. Well, I am super excited, to, as you can see by the intro, to bring to you someone who I not only call an extraordinary superhuman, but also a beautiful woman and someone I really do consider a friend and I feel very proud to have you on the self-love podcast. Welcome, beautiful Lauren. The feeling is very mutual. Thank you for having me, Kim. Oh, sweetheart. You know, we've known each other for a number of years now. And I think with the essence, the energy and the absolute beauty that you exude is something that's captivated me for a very long time. And I just want to know, have you always oozed self-love and confidence and beauty and radiance or is it something that you have learned? Yoga
0: has honestly taught me how to love myself. Really? Could you explain to us how
1: that's happened?
0: The easiest way to understand how that happens is when you come to a practice like yoga or anything mindful, really, a mindful practice you start, at the start, you often don't really enjoy it or you find it uncomfortable or you want to walk away or you want to run and hide. And over time, time being weeks, months or years, you start to actually enjoy the practice. And what I, what I teach my clients is that it's actually us falling in love with ourselves because as we grow to love a practice like yoga, we grow to love ourselves. And that's certainly what yoga has shown me. And it's evident by so many people that I see coming on the path and also learning to love themselves fully. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's very true, actually. And there's something about the practice of yoga. Talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you got brought into the beautiful practice of it and also how you got led down that path. And as you said just before, I'd really love you to reiterate, it can be days, weeks, months, even years for us to fall in love with a practice. How did you stay in the work or was it just something that flowed for you?
0: I think I came to yoga, yoga for the same reason a lot of people do, burnout, stress, anxiety, looking for something, possibly spiritually searching, not really aware of that at the time, but Needing some sort of guidance, needing something that was going to tick a few boxes in in a one hour time frame. <laughs> you know, you get the band, you get the stretch, and you get the meditation in the bit at, at the end, and you sort of tick off a few boxes. Then I really, like I said, you're growing to love the practice, equal to growing to love myself. And then I realised, oh my gosh, I don't just love this; I actually want to share this. And I guess that's where purpose and passion comes in, when you find something that you love so deeply that you just have this desire to share it with others. And so no sooner did I start my teacher training that I started teaching classes. This is back in Melbourne and went on to open a couple of studios there, then moved to the Sunshine Coast and sold the studios in Melbourne to two yogis who were practicing next to each other in one of my classes many, many years ago, met each other and um, fell in love and ended up buying the yoga studios they met in. (laughs) And so I always say you never know who you might meet on the mat next to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, as you know, Kim started up the Bedina Yoga Studio, went on to open more studios, not without the help of incredible teachers who came into the, I call it the energy, the light of Zenko. And it's it just brings the, the right people in at the, at the right time. Has that flowed for me? Yes. Did it start from me? Yes. I had to have that love for myself to be able to open that up to, to others to come in.
1: You make a really good point there that in order for us to share it, we must embody it. We must embrace it for ourselves first and foremost. You're a mum You're a beautiful soul. You're a good friend. You're an incredible woman, an entrepreneur. You're a giver. You're all of those things. I imagine though, Lauren, life's not always been easy and I'm sure there's been times when you've been challenged. Could you share with us a time where you've had to really pull the power of what it means to truly dig deep? go within, find the energy and the strength, and, and what you have did exactly to, to come through one or some of those times?
0: Probably the most challenging time um, was when I um, chose to leave the marriage that I was in, and my children were very young at the time. They were three and four, and it was a very challenging few years. Um, and some days, yes, I didn't think I had the strength or the will to, to go on, but I had to keep showing up to the yoga studio. You know, I was running classes and I had a whole community behind me that I was leading and teachers that I was leading and children that I was raising. And I just remember wiping tears sometimes before I'd even open the door to greet the first person. And. I still say it now, you know, yoga has been my saving grace because no matter what it is I've had going on, I've been able to be in the practice of yoga even through the teaching. So it's not just the practice of yoga but the teaching of yoga. So I would say it's the energy of yoga. Yeah, When you share the teaching, you share the practice. You're in the energy of yoga. Being in that space, keeping which, which teaches us to remain present and to be grateful and various other things. But that was probably that really grounding aspect for me that despite what was going on in my life outside of the, the studio, I was able to you know, hold it together, keep it together for my children and for my community.
1: And you did it so beautifully. I really appreciate what you're saying, though, because sometimes it's having a focus on things outside of us that actually gives us the strength to continue focusing or growing through the pain we're going through. And I think yoga is something very, very special for me, running is like yoga. I know that sounds ridiculous. Yoga has, has always played a big part in my life. I dabble in and out of it. I never stop practicing it in the sense that I'm always focused on my breath, whether I'm in a class or not in a class but you in particular have a special grace, a special way of teaching. And you know, every year I go to sign up to your teacher training because I so (laughs) want to do it. And every year I've got things that are happening that are way beyond that I imagine, but I'll get there. And Mm. I just think that the way you teach it, could you explain to us, For people that haven't done yoga or have always thought it's for people that are really flexible or for people, not them, but they've always wanted to know how to feel comfortable going into a studio or, you know, what actually is the practice of yoga? It's the practice
0: of finding yourself. It's the practice of evolving, growing, waking up, and it starts in a physical format. You need to get yourself into a yoga studio. You need to get over the anxiety, get out of your car and open that door and walk in and I know from so many people's feedback that that's one of the hardest things to do. You'll have a yoga mat, you'll be in your gym clothing or your running clothing and the teacher starts and there's a variety of different yoga styles that you can choose from but the teacher will guide you through a series of poses so you're making shapes with your body. And you'll start to doubt yourself. You'll question your ability because you'll see people who perhaps look like they're more flex- flexible than you or their body. Their skeletal system is made up differently to you. And then eventually, over time, it's beyond the physical practice. So you'll start to not really worry if that person next to you has, you know, a bigger range of movement because you're noticing your breath. Like you said, Kim, you're noticing that you're less reactive in life, you're noticing that you're sleeping a little better at night, that the practice of yoga and the um, the teachings and the ethical guidelines that we'll touch on later on today are starting to um, filtrate into your life in the way that you're dealing with life, the way you're caring for others, the way you're sharing. And it builds up over time. Like I said, it's not like an overnight kind of thing. It can take time and it's different for everyone noticeably will be any physical ailments that people might have they might start to notice that their back starts to free up or their neck injuries or pain start to ease off and so like I said it starts with physical because a lot of us I guess in the west we're very we're physically focused and we like to you know create goals and achieve goals so you'll get all of that But like I said, over time you start to see the emotional, the mental, spiritual, psychological benefits, and they far outweigh the physical.
1: It's a beautiful practice, and I've had the privilege of of learning yoga in India, and I've had the privilege of going to many different classes over the years. And even though I've been injured, and even though I've um, not now able to do some of the moves that I used to do, just through having a spinal fusion. I have noticed that yoga, the movement of yoga, and the things that I've learned by constantly showing up on my mat, even here at home, there's gentle yoga. There's different ways to approach. It's not just about sitting in different positions that you try and put your body into. You work into those poses. And I think the biggest thing that I love more than anything about yoga is that you get to hold the pose. And as you hold it and think you can't hold it anymore, The breath seems to be your magic, your magic formula of actually moving deeper or stronger or holding or releasing. What is it about the breath that is so profound, not only in a yoga practice, but in fact, mastering the breath is mastering life? Would you agree? Wholeheartedly. This is why yogis originally,
0: you know, prescribed yoga poses and breathing techniques known as pranayama to people with ailments because the breath indicates to us exactly where we're at at any given time and we can actually change our state of being through breath work. We can deepen the breath. We can notice the breath. We can change the breath. And they say, you know, the breath, the yogi sort of way, how they see the breath is when we um You you might know breath retention, but when we hold the breath, it brings us close to the concept of dying because if you hold your breath long enough, your fears will start to kick in because we do. We consider for a moment taking our last breath and what that would mean. And the yogis have always believed that we need to sit in that energy and understand that it would just be like taking your last breath. This is why there's a pose created for yogis called shavasana it means corpse pose the meditation part of the class you do it every single yoga class at the end of the class it's called shavasana it means corpse pose they're basically telling us lie down and breathe as though you are dead to understand that life is just about living and dying I mean, what profound practices this and this yoga has been around for thousands, some say up to 10,000 years, and this is what they've practiced.
1: It's an honor, isn't it? Something that we take for granted on a daily basis. I want to ask you as you're practicing yoga, as you're doing a yoga class, whether you're participating or teaching. Where does your mind go? What happens for you personally, and what have you noticed happens with your students in the class? What what actually happens to the mind as opposed to the breath?
0: Well, We can fill a whole hour with with thoughts. In fact, some of us can fill a whole twenty four hours. Right? We can fill a whole week. We can fill a lifetime. And the amount of people I meet that have never done yoga before, and when I tell them I'm yoga, I, I do yoga. They say one of two things to me. They talk about flexibility, which we'll touch on later, <laughs> the big F word that everyone's throwing around like it's the number one thing you have to have. And then the other is that they will say, my mind is too busy to do yoga or my mind, I, I can't sit still and I can't meditate. And it's such a limiting thought because people forget that every single one of us have a processing mind. I'm not saying that I've accomplished the mind and I'm able to sit and and with with a blank void there for for periods of time, but what I'm able to do is observe the mind and observe the thoughts and observe the emotions, and that's the practice. That's mindfulness, becoming aware, incoming thought, outgoing. When we attach ourselves to a thought, for example, uh, a hunger thought, We might then go and think about the next smoothie we're going to make and then where that will take us and what we're going to see after that, you know, and that list goes on. But where we want to get it to is where we can nip it in the bud so the hunger thought comes in and we see it and then we let it go. And that's the practice. It's see them come, see them go without attachment. A parigraha is to to practice non-attachment, see it come, see it go. And you can see, I can see as a teacher, I am observing people's thoughts. You can actually s- feel when people are in their heads, and we've got little techniques and things that we do in a, in a, in a practice to sort of try to bring people back to the present um, but it can be a lifelong journey for us to do that myself included. Yes, I do it as well. obviously, the thoughts can get away with us. we can get addicted to the thoughts to the point that we create mental illnesses and 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 high stress and tell ourselves that we can't stop our minds but in fact we can observe our minds and we can it's just that it takes practice and a lot of us aren't willing to sit in the energy of those thoughts and to observe and sit quietly i mean this is the podcast of self love what more than self love is to sit in the company of the self
1: well, um, you, what a beautiful segue i'd like lo- there's a couple of things i want to talk about but you just mentioned My favorite word, (laughs) (laughs) self-love. And I think that's what my true intention is, not only with this podcast, but the books I've written, the work I do, the oils I beautifully love to use. I think my real intent around self-love is bringing us back to the self and becoming the observer of self because for me personally, the moment I put myself as the observer, I then become fully present with being me. And I would just love to ask you, what is your definition of self-love?
0: So I touched earlier on the guidelines of yoga and there's 10. They're like ethical guidelines. Um, The first one is ahimsa, which means nonviolence, which means kindness. And when I learned this, like a lot of us learning yoga, we sort of brush over it because we think to ourselves, oh, yeah, that's easy. I don't harm animals. I don't harm the planet. I don't harm anybody else. I don't harm myself. I'm not physically hurting myself. And we can brush over it so easily. But Ahimsa is about the words that we use with ourselves. And sometimes we're not even aware. You know, you'll have listeners that will look into the reflection of into the mirror and see that reflection and possibly without even being aware we say harsh things to ourselves that's actually violence and it continues from there from an inside to an outside world it's it's the way in which we treat ourselves it's the food choices that we make it's it's the day-to-day practice where we can show ourselves kindness and I think with that it requires discipline and it requ- requires restraint. And by waking up and becoming the observer of the mind and noticing the re- repetition in the thoughts and those that are not serving us and replacing them with positive, loving, affirming words is my definition of self.
1: You know, I, i'm literally sitting here covered in goosebumps i when you when you study an ancient traditional um culture or a practice like yoga and it's always the people that have got it's it's our ancient uh evolutionary processes of growing up from beautiful forefathers and mothers who have learned the lessons and taught from such a place of grace that you really do get to come home to ourselves. And I just, I truly appreciate the word, is it himsa? Ahimsa. It's Ahimsa, it's such a beautiful word. And I really do believe in the power of kindness. And I actually really appreciate the words nonviolence because I think for many of us, we don't even think that shouting is a form of violence. (laughs) For many people, we don't think that eating, um Processed food is a form of violence to our bodies, so i just i really want to reiterate that and really could could you just spell that word for us ahimsa a h i m s a yeah I thought so it's just a really powerful word that I think we could really embrace a little bit more I, I want to ask you now then, for yourself, not only as a teacher and a mum, when you see a person who isn't loving themselves, what's your thoughts? What's your insights? What would you love to say or do to a person who's not feeling the love for themselves?
0: The practice of Ahimsa also teaches us to allow others on their path and rather than trying to um, point out make suggestions, advise, help, they actually say helping other people isn't practising ahimsa because we need to allow others on their journey. We can love, we can support, we can hold space, but helping them and taking them away from their experience is actually not going to support that person. So when I see that person, like you said, who's in that place where they're perhaps not loving themselves, then all we can do is, is shine our light and embody self-love because their journey will, will take a different path and who knows where that might be. We can get in the way of theirs. So does that make sense? We actually use self-love as a practice to enable others to find their own self-love.
1: <laughs> <And> it makes <laughs> makes such sense, right? I mean, yeah. I look at mums, Lauren. I look at mums that yes. stand there; they give everything for their kids. They they and so do dads. I'm not not, not mm. saying that dads don't either, but the the parents of children that totally devote their lives to their kids, and then look in the mirror and don't like what they see, or berate themselves about their body, or don't feel like they've got enough time for themselves, mm. or almost you know take on mother guilt or mother shame or whatever it is that we do not realising that the gift, the greatest gift they can give their children is being the example. And the best way to be the example is to live your true self, which means love yourself. You know, when when you have women that have come to you maybe, and I love using yoga as the analogy, that have just started out. Have you got any stories of anyone in particular who may not have had experienced yoga, maybe felt a bit lost, maybe weren't on the path of self-love, maybe hadn't shown the discipline and the um, the restraint of many things in order to gift that to themselves? Have you got a story or know of anyone that's come through that journey and now maybe is living the principles of yoga, thanks to the, the practice of it?
0: Oh, Every day I'm, I'm witnessing people who have come from that, that place of I'm not worthy to I need to be here. You know, it's like this duty of care I like to educate parents about. Rather than feeling guilty for leaving the family for an hour, what about flipping it? and realising it's a duty of care that I come and give myself one hour so I can come home and be the best version of myself. And, yes, when I see those parents that would say, I'm so glad I came, I was so tended to, to stay home on the couch And they say, but I got up, Lauren, and I drove in and I knew I was going to feel better for it. And they never regret coming to yoga. You can't tell me you come out of a yoga class and you've just meditated and you come out and think, well, that was a waste of an hour.
1: It's a powerful thing, that meditation at the end. It's a really powerful thing to actually get over the fact that the hardest part of the practice of anything, anything moving, any time we go to a class or, any situation where we actually take ourselves out the door for some physical movement that we ever regret it. And the word that you touched on there was discipline. love you to talk a little bit more about the meaning of what you believe self-discipline is and how powerful it is, not only from a yoga and a practice point of view, but in maybe all avenues or particularly things that are really important to you. Why is discipline so important as a part of our life?
0: because routine sets you free. It sets you up for freedom. And the word discipline in Sanskrit is tapas, and that basically translates to fire. So it's like the fire in the belly. And it's the fire that gives us passion, it gives us purpose, and it helps to sort of burn away the impurities of the mind. And so an example might be wake up, go to the fridge, open the door, and then make a conscious choice right there and then, out at a restaurant, out with friends. There's opportunities all day long to make the right decision based on what your values are. But with tapas, we can see it play out everywhere, from getting ourselves to our our exercise, from the food choices that we make, and staying true to that. Because when we stay true and we show ourselves that we can continually, repetitively show up to create our our goals or create a life of our desires, then we can start to ask deeper questions of what else is possible. Okay, I can commit to um, eating healthy and clean for 28 days. How do I feel when I get to it? And, the, and how else would I like to feel? What else would I like to do in my life? And this is how people, successful people, as you know, Kim Morrison, you're one of them, this is how successful people have made themselves successful. It's through rituals, daily, daily practices, whether it be a morning practice or a nighttime practice, whatever it is, and if it's as small as five, ten minutes a day on repeat, that flows into all areas of your life. And we see success. It's such a simple model, mm-hmm. and, and I think um, who was it? Anthony Robin Williams. Anthony Williams. What is he? Um, coach Anthony yeah. Robbins. Tony Anthony Robbins. Robbins. Yeah. yeah, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins says, "If you can't t- find ten minutes in your life, you know, your life is not worth living." We mm-hmm. can all find it. We, if we're good at scrolling with our thumbs up along a bright shiny screen that lives in our pocket we can find 10 minutes for ourselves and even if it is just sitting seated and they say even just the art of making your bed you'd know that one too i'm sure but mm-hmm. but it's it's that feeling of accomplishment it's saying i love you it's self-love if you make your bed which i make sure i do every day self-love so at the start of the day, you, you started off loving yourself and accomplishing something which flows on into the rest of your day and you come back to your bed at the end of the day and there it is.
1: I love you. I so love this because <laughs> to me, I believe, and when I wrote the book, The Art of Self-Love, the third um, point of the pathway back to self-love for me after self-awareness and self-care is self-discipline. And I believe it's the doing. We have to do the work. It never gets put or give I mean, it's very rare that you'd be handed a, a peaceful, beautiful, happy, rich life. I, most of us have to contribute or work or serve in order to, to achieve that. Um, and I really believe the act of discipline is the one thing that's missing because in, in such a, uh, we're a quick fire society, we want everything yesterday it's almost like the art of discipline has been forgotten and yet the discipline is the act and the art of self-care. It's the constant showing up for self. It's the constant belief in who we are. It's the constant acknowledgement of our beautiful bodies, our homes, our beds, like you say. If you've got two young daughters, you've got two beautiful daughters, how are they learning the art of discipline? Is it only through you and observing you? Tell us their ages and, and talk to us a little bit about your wishes and intent for them and especially around discipline.
0: Eight and ten years of age and we often journal together, circle together, talk about big life goals like bucket lists and things like that and When you know where you want to go, and this is what I teach my children, if you know you want to have a holiday somewhere sometime or you want to um, aspire to a certain career path, then you have to do a little bit of something about that every day. So that's how I teach my children. And I teach them about being healthy and I teach them about, you know, eating foods that makes them feel good. And often they'll come to me when they're, when they're unwell and run down, they'll say, mummy, I just want some vegetables. Because their body actually craves it because they listen to their bodies and us and they get to know their bodies. I think when we know where we're going in life, we can take the small steps to achieve the big one and do it in a bite-sized sort of way. And children are so capable of understanding that. My daughter came to me this morning. She said, mum, I need to do a presentation today. And I kind of thought, oh, my gosh, we're leaving the house in about 10 minutes. What are you doing your presentation on? And she said, oh, don't worry, I've got this. She went and found her box of crystals. She grabbed two pages of A4 paper. She cut it all up into cue cards and while we're driving to school, she's writing all these facts down about crystals and how you need to put them, do a full moon ceremony to charge them up and how um, amethyst is, is, is protective, but not in a physical, this is her words, not in a physical shield way, in an energetic shield way. Right, now I don't bang this into my children, but this is a way of my life. This is my discipline. This is my practices that are showing up in the children around me.
1: It's so precious and there's nothing <laughs> greater than when you see the reflection of that back at you. And in the same way, we can also see um, our constraints back at us. Have you yes. ever seen parts of your kids that you've gone, oh, oh, I need to just um, maybe tone that up or down a little bit? Have you seen yourself oh, sure come out?
0: <laughs> did. The the other day um, yeah. I'd organised for a new POS machine to be replaced at the studio. And I always tell the bank, I'm like, just be certain you need to call me first to make a time because obviously while there's a class on, you can't come knocking on the door. It will be disruptive to the class. So make a time with me first and I'll let you know when the studio is available for you to come and install the FPOS machine. And I was teaching a class maybe a week or two later and I heard this banging on the door during the class and it was they banged quite a few times and I had to almost bring it into the teaching and say, oh, you know, there's always disruptions as part of the practice, you know, keep, keep breathing, keep flowing, everyone. Anyway, um, the bank called me later on that day and my children were there and they said, we can't get on to you, we've tried coming to the premises and, and they were really upset with me and I was quite firm in the way I spoke back to them and I said, well, I asked you not to disrupt a class. I asked you to please call me before you come in. You've actually disrupted a class that I was teaching in. And I was I was as kind as I thought I could be to. I was very strong. Anyway, I got off the phone and my 10-year-old turned around and said to me, Mum, you probably could have showed a bit more kindness to that person. It wasn't their fault that the other person knocked on the door. Wow. And it was so true because I was still upset from the experience, you know, but she was able to point that out to me and you know with with love and kindness which is what self-love is about is to speak a truth and pull me up and I really appreciate her doing that
1: do you um how do you actually find the younger generations nowadays and do many younger people come to yoga or is it something that you've noticed Happens as they're older, or are more people being inspired to come when they're younger. Talk to me a little bit about how that's changing over the years.
0: We don't. We do kids' classes. Um, we don't do a lot of teens' classes. I'd like to, but I did run my first Mummy and Me retreat last weekend, and my children came with me, and they taught with me, um, and it was just beautiful to see the mums allocate time and space and funds to bonding with their daughters and teaching them aspects of yoga. So we're going to be doing more of that because I'm really realising, you know, rituals and and ceremony and and these art forms, they're just not practised. And one of the mums said to me, she said, you know, what you're teaching our children this weekend is not what they'll get if they're, you know, spending time with other, you know, school kids mums or whatever it might be or sporting clubs this is really spiritual teachings and it's it's so important that we keep that alive
1: sad today in this day and Mm. age, so many distractions i'd love you to talk to me a little bit about how you see i know social media is a powerful tool i know it's an incredible gift and i know it's a beautiful connection for many people on many levels i get that how do you think it's affecting us spiritually?
0: Well, I think we have touched on self-discipline before, so I think like with anything, we need to have discipline with our phones, whether we have them turning off at a certain time or scroll for a certain amount of time. Um, how is it interfering with society? It's like anything. There's, um, it's not going anywhere, so we've got to learn to live with it and work with it to our best. and. I think it all comes back to intention. What is your intention for sharing something on the internet? What is your intention for commenting on something? Notice what you subscribe to and what you let come up through your feed and and have boundaries in place. And that's self-discipline right there.
1: Yeah, I agree entirely. And I think sometimes it can be one of the most powerful tools, but I think one of the most powerful things I do with social media is actually switching it off. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I come back, I just, I really have become disciplined with how much time I spend on it. I also realized how addictive it can be and how um, you could find yourself wasting half an hour of your life with that thumb scroll you were talking about. And that, That disturbs me when I find myself, if i doing that, because I feel like I'm not giving myself enough, although occasionally that I've done it, I've also tried to say to people (laughs) that, you know, you sit there and pick up a, a, you know, a a gardening magazine or a woman's magazine, or just a, even a trashy magazine. And you're sitting in the doctor's room or the waiting room or whatever, if if people, I don't even know what that looks like anymore. But anyway, if you Mm. are. (laughs) I always think that sometimes allowing yourself 15, 20 minutes, half an hour of scrolling time is days gone by of flicking through a newspaper or a magazine. So I think it's okay. The scary thing is, and I don't know if anybody's got this on their screen, but when it tells you your screen time's up one and a half hours to last week or whatever, and I go, oh, that's such a, I've really had to, that really pulled me into line. And I want to talk to you a little bit about coming into line, coming into being who we truly are acknowledging what our our true purpose is because this is something that you teach people particularly women very profoundly how to do um, we, it's very easy to knock ourselves we both know this through the teachings we do we know it's very easy to put ourselves down and we even know that it's part of the human experience and our makeup is to look for the negative before the positive that's because that's part of our psyche and survival. But Lauren, I'd love you to talk to us a little bit about what you think is true purpose and how do people actually find it? Because for many, so lost, particularly over this last year with COVID and so many changes and so many upheavals and and so much unknowingness, what's your key messages or strategies around staying focused on your core true self and true purpose?
0: It's interesting that that question sort of comes in after the scrolling <laughs> social media because a lot of us are scrolling through life and avoiding connecting in with that why. And I think this distracting business is it's addictive and a lot of companies are jumping on the bandwagon and are making a lot of money out of it because they know that we're addicted beings and we can get addicted to a screen, like we can get, get addicted to a good thing and it's distinguishing between the two and sometimes asking ourselves, well, why is it that I'm choosing to distract myself? What am I avoiding? What am I running from? Because actually oftentimes the thing that it is that we're our why and our purpose, we actually are aware of it. I believe they've done it in past lives. And so it, it frightens a life out of us to possibly accept it, to possibly do the deep work, to possibly come to realize what it is and then to have to share it with the world because sometimes we've grown up with so many labels. Take myself, for example. I was running a PR business in Melbourne. I was the businesswoman. I had it all going on for me. And then when I found yoga through the stress and anxiety and I did it as something to do and I was, you know, building strength and sleeping better and, all the benefits that came along with it. Then when I got to the point where I realized I wanted to share, like I said earlier, I went and had counseling because I couldn't tell my parents, I couldn't tell my fiance at the time. I felt so like stupid that I love this. What I saw at the time was this spiritual fluffy, probably still is, spiritual fluffy practice and I wanted to share it when I was this businesswoman and a successful businesswoman. And so I remember bawling my eyes out, telling this counsellor at the time. I think I want to share yoga, and what I was crying about is that I was finding my thing that I was going to share for the rest of my life, and that's emotional. Where there is emotion, there is energy moving around around the body, and that emotion I couldn't hold that back, and so you know, insert counselling session. Then I went and spoke to loved ones and I sat them down and I told them, you know, open my heart, I get emotional now just telling you the story because I, I so deeply wanted to share the practice and I was so worried about what other people might think of me. And, of course, my parents and of course, the fiancé and, of course, my friends all just went, that's great. It's awesome. <laughs> it was me. I was just in my own way blocking myself, blocking with anything that I could find. And sometimes that was drugs and alcohol because it was a lot easier to block it than to recognize it and develop it and go and do that work.
1: I I feel very touched by that. I completely imagine anyone listening to this right now, there's no accident that they're hearing that incredible story and also advice to truly listen to yourself and don't hold back. And (laughs) no matter how spiritual or fluffy or weird or strange it seems, (laughs) I think following your heart and allowing that to be the compass back to self is what then makes life flow. And when we're in flow, when we're not competing and fighting with life and breath every day, all of a sudden things just feel more downstream than they do up what would be your advice to someone who's really in the middle of they know they want to do something else but they're afraid like you were saying do they just do it or is it about discussion or what would your advice be to someone sitting there flirting with the idea of changing and uprooting their life how good is flirting <laughs> um keep, keep
0: my advice is to keep flirting and make time to flirt every day just a little bit of something, whether it's the books on that topic that you start to read about, whether you find a, a place to go and share it, whether you start researching it on the internet, whether you start thinking about business names, whether you just start it as a hobby and start making something and sell it at the markets, do something about it in some shape or form every day. And it will develop. It's like, it's like um, strengthening a muscle. It will develop over time. And then start to speak your truth, you know, open heart, speaking your truth and start to share with people, I really love this. What do you think? Start having open conversations. And really trust in the journey and trust in the process because everything is, we're always being steered anyway. And once we start to open up to that, like you said, getting into that flow state flow will come the universe will go oh thank goodness you're finally waking up and if the universe will say what about this well here's something else i provided what would you like to try this on you know and we'll start getting opportunities and we start to open our eyes up and there are opportunities there for us but when we're closed off and running down this other tunnel we're not able to see outside of that so it's really about broadening awareness and waking up
1: to what is actually possible. Oh, I so love it. You're so talking my language. I absolutely love mm. it. And I think what's really profoundly speaking to me is I remember when I started talking about self-love and I'd have people knock it and laugh about, you know, probably thought about personalised um, sexual self-love and I got people ridiculing it and I got people giving me grief about it because at the beginning I was a little bit unsure and I think that unsureness allowed humour and a little bit of ribbing to come into it and I was just a little bit, you know, kind of, but then when I actually wrote my first book and then when I stood there and then when my girlfriend and I launched our business and we had all these oils and we had these beautiful products. And then every time I stood up, I remember the blood, sweat and tears, the pouring of those bottles, the labeling of the bottles, the, the playing the music 24 seven so that the energy and the love that we believed in these products, which we still play to this day, I, I just knew. I had to do it. I couldn't stop. Nothing was going to stop me doing this, even losing all our money. And even maybe at one point when we're about to launch one business, I almost lost my marriage because there was so many things happening in the background in his world as well. And that's just another whole story. But I just, I really want to acknowledge you for that because I think that's what you teach in your classes. And I particularly love from the micro level of you allowing us to really connect into each part of our body, just even doing a check over each part of us as you talk us through um, to notice things about our body, that awareness you know, When's the last time you asked how your left ankle was feeling or your right knee or as you move up the body? When was the last time you did that? And with that mindfulness then becomes awareness. And with the awareness, we then know what we're working with because we're not just dabbling, we're now very focused. I know yoga is a is a discipline and I know it's a practice and I know it takes focus. But I find yoga quite an oxymoron because the more focused I become, the less focused I am. And the less focused I am, the more focused I become. There is an hypnotic way of um, diving into and out of ourselves. And whilst yoga is the physicality, the practice of the movements of it, something very deep happens with our breath, our mind and our spirit. What is that union what is that what is that thing where we're going in and out of almost quantum physics into mindfulness into awareness right out into unbelievable um, place of nothingness what is all of that
0: whatever it is I'm hooked <laughs> and I keep showing up and practicing because it's so exciting First of all, I just want to say your story about your love and having the music on and through passion, through losing money. That's just beautiful and I think it's, that's a good reminder for all of us. We're going to go through hard times but we've got to keep persisting and we're always supported when there's love. We're always supported. And <laughs> with, with the pathway that we're on, we will be guided and a lot of us can't see that. We can't make sense of that like Alira talking this morning about it's not a physical shield it's an energetic shield it's an energetic system that we're running and it's like when we're saying yes the world is saying yes back and when we're saying no the world is saying no back and through movement and through a practice like yoga I don't know where I go but that connection to source I'll call it universal cosmic energy is what aligns me is what reminds me of who i am and who that essence is and it's getting out of our heads because the mind it's like it's like a prison we're confined to it and we are happy enough most of us just to keep being guided by thought alone and once we come up and out of the physical body and align ourselves with you know something something higher you know, higher self perhaps or higher being higher energy higher whatever um, God, Buddha, insert, I call it source energy. That's where we can start to get the downloads and receive the information and be 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 in touch with with where we're meant to be going. It's a really, really big, broad um, topic, obviously, and yoga is a, a platform for reaching that place. And we call it samadhi in yoga, internal bliss. We're in, we're in a bliss state. And actually, we can choose to be in a bliss state on a constant, but a lot of us with these busy minds will convince ourselves otherwise and sometimes run stories for years, if not a lifetime of otherwise oh, such a big topic i don 't even
1: know where to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I just I keep as i 'm hearing your voice, I just feel myself in a in a trance that i 'm in mm. a class with you because I just have followed you for years, and I love following you online, and i just really appreciate that the the more yoga I've done with you over time and particularly your teachers as well at the different studios that you have um, outside of Zinco and within Zinco when they've been teaching at places I just really want I want you to know that that work doesn't stop after the one hour class I think that's the most profound part um, that once you start yoga I think you become a yogi for life there's It's almost like once you know you can't unknow this and you can hear the words of your beautiful teachings, the teachers and teachings coming through in every aspect. And I think that's what I love about yoga because yoga is not just, as you said, spiritual and fluff. There's a real strength to, to yoga. There's a real strength to finding ourselves through the practice of it. And I'd love to ask you, in all your years and experience of doing yoga, Apart from finding you and loving you and it allowing you to teach and be your purpose, has there been uh, messages, if for want of a better word, or guidance that's allowed you to explore in all areas of life?
0: Absolutely. As I say, yoga is, is coming on path. It's the other 23 hours of the day. And I've just been recently moving house, and of course, I could choose to see it negatively. I could curse every time I walk up and down those stairs with the boxes, or I could see it as saucha, which is cleanliness, purifying, and, and cleaning. Yeah, what an opportunity to, to clean and purify! What, what a beautiful opportunity for, for new intentions and, new, and, and fresh beginnings. Um, and so, that's those twenty three hours that we that we are still in the practice of yoga, it's every it shows up everywhere. It's the conversations we have at the front door, you know, with, with the person delivering our posts. It's the food choice that we make. It's the company that we keep. It's the way we hold our space when we're in a supermarket line, you know. It's 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 shows up everywhere, and the practice continues to. Rep- It's profound. It just astonishes me. And it's not like I'm accomplished or I've come to a place of enlightenment. I'm on path. So when I come into a yoga studio to teach that class, I have no idea what sort of class I'm teaching. I never do. I don't plan my classes. I'm in there. I'm in the energy of that room. And so those 20, 30, 40, whatever people that show up, we are all sharing something. And I will just breathe into it, feel into it, and I'll just be open, like I was talking about that source energy before. So I'm just I'm open to receiving, and I'll just deliver what is needed to be said. And this this is the profound stuff that you can't really touch on, write about, explain to someone. But this is what happens when we're regularly showing up to a practice and realizing that that it is the other twenty three hours. Because life is always teaching us and steering us. You know, we've always got opportunities to practice yoga wherever we, we're going. And whatever we're faced with, and for some reason, a lot of us um, do attract really big turning points in our lives. Like I know you have Kim with, with with marriage and with losing money and with your house and with your businesses, and you know these failures are what make us. And I know with the experience that I had with my with my ex husband, it went for years. There was you know legal forensics, police involvement, and that sort of thing, but. I kept saying, I know this is happening for a reason. I know this is teaching me strength because I'm going to help other women one day with it. And I I do now help so many other people because I understand exactly where they're at. I understand what it's like to experience PTSD. And so I know what it's like living your life with that and how to just come back to the basics of feeding yourself, breathing and moving and sleeping. And Without that, I wouldn't be able to sit here with, you know, gratitude in my heart, with on the verge of tears most of the time, just so blessed to be to be living a full and nourished life and knowing full well that I know life is going to have more challenges for me. Of course I do. I'm not going out looking for it, but I know that I am being steered ultimately and always. And if it wasn't for what my ex-husband taught me, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have gone on to open more yoga studios my children wouldn't be the people that, that, that they are. And so I, I say thank you every day for his teachings.
1: You're amazing. I really, I know that everyone listening to this, I again, I'm covered in goosebumps, beautiful girl. I loved what you said that coming back to the basics, and this is a really fundamental truth for all of us to feed ourselves with good food. That breath is so powerful to move our body, and to know how important sleep and restoration is, and then to top it all off with gratitude. Honestly, that's, to me, I I don't think I could have summed up any better because all of that allows us to be our truth, which is our purpose, which allows us to wake up and create a whole lot of resilience and also a repertoire of tools to get us through the challenges that we know it's delusional to imagine they'll never come again. So it's almost like what yoga has given you which in turn has given me is to know that i have the resourcefulness the inner resourcefulness to get through this amazing life with an attitude of of sincere blessing and sincere gratitude And also a reminder that every lesson and every challenge we've gone through is indeed an opportunity for us to nourish ourselves and and replenish and store up and strengthen our resilience. And I, I just want to thank you because you've done so many beautiful retreats for me and every single person that's ever come to one of your classes Every person I've introduced you to has just fallen head over heels as I do every time I see you and speak to you and I just i want to publicly acknowledge you for the work that you do and I know that for everything I see in you is a reflection in me, and everything we see in me is a reflection in you i I know that, and i really I really want to say from my heart to yours, you've inspired me beyond belief to be a better version of me every day. Your words are always in my ear. And I'm, I'm very grateful to you if there was one final message that you would love to share with this beautiful tribe of amazing souls who I just want you to know that I've run into people that have listened to this podcast and they come up to me and they say things like, I feel like I know you. And I, I feel like I'm, I really get to know your friends. Like we all become part of this inner circle. So now you've got over 5,000 listeners now that are all considering you part of your inner circle as well. But is there a message you'd love to say to people that are showing up every week for these podcasts on self-love?
0: There is. With everything that you just said, and that was beautiful, and of course I'm sitting here with tears on my eyes. <laughs> thank you. Um, I feel like we, there was just one small thing that we haven't quite tapped on, which I feel like is like that missing link, and it's another yoga teaching, and some will know this term. It's called brahmacharya. Mm-hmm. And the English translation is right or wise use of energy. And so when we're talking about those, those um, essentials that we need in the day, the sleep, the food, the water, the movement, um, that's energy. That's wise use of energy. How many hours of sleep? I probably don't need a 12-hour sleep. Six isn't quite enough. Mastering how many hours sleep do I need? Mastering adequate meditation so I am renewed. Mastering what fuel does my body need? Not what this person's telling me, and not what this worked for this person. What does my body need, and fueling it accordingly? And time. And um, do I want to spend half an hour, one hour, two hours on the device scrolling, or do I want to spend that walking in nature and grounding, making wise choices? every minute of every day is that real key and that's helped me to really kind of um, polish my life. And people ask me all the time, how have you got so much energy? (laughs) Like how do you do what you do? And I know it sounds so cliche but I go to bed early and I eat and drink so clean. I make wise choices. I work smart. I make time for my priorities and my values, and I really polish it. I sit on a Sunday night, I do my weekly planner, I I master every hour of my day, and it has taken so much practice. And yes, it went from, I had to start a burnout, obviously, to realize I need to make change, but, and I'm still polishing this art form of brahmacharya. It's incredible. What you know? So when you go into a restaurant, what am I choosing to eat? What's going to fuel me the best for what I need to do? And it's wise choices everywhere. How much toilet paper am I using? You know, turn the lights off everywhere. It comes, it shows up everywhere. But if we can get that right, throw in the gratitude on on top, and the discipline and and the self love, then I think we're we're doing pretty well. <laughs>
1: Oh is, I think you're so right. I really appreciate that last step too, because mm. planning and actually thinking about how to use that time wisely is is something that I have really had to discipline myself around because I'm a shy, brownie, uh, shy, bright, shiny object girl. I'm a shite girl. I'm a, um, I'm a, you know, ring me or you want to call. Oh, you need me? Okay, great. I'll catch up mm-hmm. with you. And I'll often put the needs of others, not that I begrudge that, but I've had to become mindful of where I put that time because it's so easy. You know, I want to ask you one other question. Um, if I was to ask your two girls, what they thought of their mum. What do they think about you? What do you honestly think they would say? <laughs> I think
0: they. Actually, I think they said something actually on the weekend about me. They said, "Mum, you're very. It's very funny that you're a yogi because you're so calm, but you're so wild.
1: Calm <laughs> um, but wild. <laughs> I calm love wild. It. I love it.
0: And isn't that isn't that the feminine though? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we need, and this is what I trying to teach them. Like. That's feminine. We're chaotic women. You know, around the cycle, we could go into, I just want to stay home in bed and just chill and just, you know, read a book and eat chocolate. Um, and to, I just want to build an empire and take on the world. <laughs> and I think that's, and that's the feminine. And, and we need to recognize that we're all of that in
1: one month. <laughs> Sometimes in one day, <laughs>
0: in one day, <laughs> in
1: one hour. I calm love calm and wild. Yeah, calm and wild. I absolutely <laughs> love it, and that's definitely something that I would put you into. Even I know when we post the picture of you, people will understand that when they see you, you're unbelievable to look at, and you just. You certainly have a calm energy, but a very adventurous, wild, humorous, funny, out there spirit, which is probably that cheeky side of you that I just, I really, that (laughs) playful, you know, I really, that's probably something else we didn't talk very much about, but that playful, wild, adventurous self, allow her or him to come out way more. It would be such a cool thing to do.
0: (laughs) That's why I like
1: hanging out with you,
0: Tim Morrison.
1: (laughs) We've been so well behaved on this podcast. I just want everyone to know. No, we have been very professional and very well behaved Um, when you see us together we we do get a bit wild and crazy and I absolutely love that about you but sweetheart what's one of your favorite quotes that we could finish on
0: my parents taught me this one um it's not what happens to you it's what you do about it
1: it's not what happens to you but what you do about it I'm just writing that down I don't know about anyone that listens to this podcast, but I write so many notes when I listen to
0: it. I love it. Even though you could totally listen to it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. And I do, I do listen to it because I love hearing it from a different perspective because I get the gift of hearing it first up. I get the gift of hearing us in the, in the moment. And then I think what podcasts do is allows the listener to be in the moment. And I just get so excited. I, I love to share women like yourself and I really, I really get fired up. People think, you know, I do this for others, but really the the self-love podcast has been one of the greatest gifts to myself. I get to interview so many extraordinary souls and hear their stories and how they've reached deep within and traveled the the challenges of time and then come out or been spat out the other side, a bigger, better, stronger version of that. And I don't know about you, sweetheart, but I know there's a lot of struggle and challenge out there. But one of the greatest inspirations of all for me is knowing that when someone's going through or gone through that and they come out the other side going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> want to try that one on again? You know, I just, I loved what I saw a quote the other day out of New Zealand, you know, yeah, sure. COVID. Okay. It's been challenging, but tectonic plates breaking up underneath us. Come on, we're tougher than that, <laughs> you know? And I just thought, it's so Kiwi, that's such a Kiwi thing. So look, mm. a beautiful soul. Thank you again. Could you just tell us if people wanted to follow you, social media, the thing that if they're going to scroll and, you know, do their 20, 30 minutes of, you know, magazine (laughs) time and they wanted to find out a bit more about you or if they're blessed enough to live on the Sunshine Coast and come to one of your classes, just tell us a little bit more about how we can find more of you.
0: Zenko Yoga, Z-E-N, Zen, Ko, K-O, it's a Japanese word for child. Um, So the aim is to with our yoga is to come back to a childlike state that is a Zen-like state, so Zenco Yoga. Uh, Yes, we're on the Sunshine Coast. We're also online and you can follow me on my um, Lauren Verona Yoga account as well on Instagram and Facebook where I do a bit bit more sharing over at Lauren Verona Yoga and and Zenco Yoga is is really about the the studios and the events and retreats and corporates and um, teach training and uh, many offerings that we So Um, it's
1: Yoga, Z-E-N-K-O-Y-O-G-A.com.au and then Lauren Verona.com. Is that right?
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, so uh, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N-V-E-R-O-N-A.com for those of you that are driving or out there walking. Um, but these will all be in the show notes for you. And I'll put the links to her beautiful Instagram page, which I love. That's where you'll get to see her two gorgeous girls and her playing. Mm-hmm. you got no idea how much I love your pictures that you put up and and your sharings. And and thank you also. I know that there's online yoga as well. And if we go onto your websites, we can find out more about that as your membership group, which I highly recommend if you're not on the coast, then then maybe you might want to become a part of her inner circle. So my beautiful Lauren, for all that you give, for all that you do, for how you show up and for all that you master each and every day and give us in the practicing of not only yoga, but true spirituality, humanness and woman power. I just want to say I love you and I thank you wholeheartedly for being on the Self Love Podcast.
0: An absolute honor to be invited. I feel exactly the same towards you. Love you to pieces and um, thank, you for, thank you for having me. And for anyone who's wanting to just reach out and um, come and try yoga, come and give it a try. We can give you a, a free month. Just to, um, mention this podcast and we'd love to give you a free month to, to try it out because a week just isn't enough to really experience the profound benefits of the practice. You need to come and give it a good month. Um, try out some different classes, styles and teachers and sh- show show up and, and see how you feel after a month. It, it might change your life.
1: I promise you it will. Thank you, beautiful girl. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care.